Lord God, thank you for speaking to our spirit when we read your book of truth. Amen. All right, we are up to day 22, and we're actually beginning the book of Exodus now, and we're about to meet Moses. So we'll begin with some insight. With the death of Joseph, Genesis record comes to an end, and some 400 years apparently pass before another scriptural account focuses back on the descendants of Israel in Egypt. In the years covered by the Genesis record, the outstanding man of God was Abraham. It was Abraham who fathered the nation which would become God's chosen people. It was Abraham whose belief and trust in God's promises made him an example of faith for all times. As the Exodus record begins, a new spiritual leader emerges from among God's people. For a more sophisticated age, Moses will be a man of education, training, and royal upbringing. He will be an author, lawgiver, builder, and military leader. Most importantly, he, like Abraham, will be a man of faith in God and an intermediary between God and his people. The story of Moses' ascension to a place of leadership over the Israelites is a fascinating one in which the providential hand of God can be seen to lift Moses from his lowly birth as a Hebrew to a place of honor in the very household of the ruling Pharaoh. Then, during a time of exile in the land of Midian, just east of the Sinai Peninsula and across from the Gulf of Aqaba, Moses takes a wife by the name of Zipporah. Zipporah's father is known as both Reuel and Jethro. It is in Midian that Moses is called by God to lead the Hebrew nation out of the oppressive bondage into which they have fallen since the days of Joseph. It is clear that Moses is reluctant to take on the responsibility of leadership, and therefore God must demonstrate the power that will be given to Moses in order to accomplish the mission which God has assigned him. It is near Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, that God confronts Moses and it will be on this same mountain that one of the most important events in the history of the Hebrew nation will later take place. The Exodus record now begins where the Genesis record ended with a last recital of the sons of Israel who had first emigrated to Egypt. And into scripture, Exodus 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. 
So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Puah, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled and Pharaoh fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. 
Moses agreed to stay with the man and gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. 
but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran away from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe those two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. And you will teach and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill his son. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. 
Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had said to him to say, and also about all the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. These were the heads of their families. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were Hanoch and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jakin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of the Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived 137 years. The sons of Gershon, by clans, were Libni and Shemiah. The sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kohath lived 133 years. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. <laughs> These were the clans of Levi, according to their records. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. The sons of Izhar were Korah, Zepeg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron married Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab, and sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. The sons of Korah were Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These were the Korahite clans. Eleazar, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These were the heads of the Levite families, clan by clan. It was this same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. And that's day 22. I like that how it confirms not a different Aaron and um, Moses that may have come along at another time, but the very same ones in this lineage. <laughs> so let's see, going back a couple of points. I love how um, Mo baby Moses was found, of course, and Pharaoh's daughter hired Moses' own mother to nurse him. So she got to nurse her own child and get paid for it. That was pretty awesome. Good planning by God on that. <laughs> and um, when God first calls Moses to do this um, job for him, to go bring the Israelites out, he, and um, Moses says, what, will, what shall I tell people who sent me when, if they ask your name? 
And God says, I am has sent you. I love that. It's so powerful. And it's kind of a solemn way of saying that he never had a beginning. He always has been. I am. That's so beautiful. And um, I imagine being Moses, you're hearing God's voice from a burning bush that doesn't burn up. Your staff is turned to a snake and then back into a staff. Your hand gets those um, leprous and then back again. Water is going to be turned into blood. Um, I can't really blame him too much for um, being reluctant, saying, I don't think I'm up for this task. Um, <clears throat> please pick somebody else to do this. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not going to do a good job for you. And um, he keeps and he keeps whining about it. And God, I hear him like a frustrated parent just saying, fine. All right. I'll let your brother speak for you. I'll let Aaron do that. Just stop arguing with me. <laughs> that's, all right. That's just kind of how I hear it <laughs> as a parent. Um, and then we came to this um, bridegroom of blood business. And um, I have had a question mark in my um, margin there for a long, long time. So um, I went to old reliable YouTube and Dr. John Stevenson was giving a little lesson on this bridegroom of blood and trying to explain what that really means. So here it is according to him. So apparently, obviously, Moses had a son that had not been circumcised. Um, and he was asking, you know, why would Moses have not circumcised him? And perhaps he was going by the Egyptians' circumcision timeline, and the Egyptians circumcised at puberty. So anyway, the baby had not been circumcised, the child. So um, Moses had broken the um, Abrahamic covenant. And when you do that, the consequence is death. So that's why, apparently, God was saying, you know, I'm going to have to kill your son because you didn't circumcise this. You broke my covenant. So Zipporah steps in and performs the circumcision and tosses the foreskin down to, at um, Moses' feet and proclaims, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. So um, that's kind of a mysterious way of saying it. But according to Dr. Stevenson, um, that could have been the time when she actually began to believe um, the Israelites, the Hebrew way of um, faith. Apparently, later we discover that um, Zipporah's father, Moses' father-in-law, who is living with, did not was not a believer. So Zipporah probably was not a believer. And um, this may have been the moment where she believes, oh, okay, we need to circumcise this baby right now before God kills him. And um, that could have been to her like the beginning of their true marriage now, bridegroom of blood referring to the circumcision blood. Um, but um, the bottom line is that God 
let them alone. The baby's circumcised, we're good. Now there was another little note that I, I really kind of liked. That could have been a little foreshadowing of our own bridegroom of blood in Jesus. He calls us his bride, so he is our bridegroom, and he bled and died for us. And sometimes I think God gives little hints of what is to come so that when that eventually happens, we can look back and say, oh, that's what that was all about. <laughs> Just a little point to ponder. And that is it for today. Thanks for listening.